So with that, then, we're going to progress here to uh, this little mini-series for the month of December. And I want to just share some thoughts with you called, Why Did Jesus Come? Why did Jesus come? There are many scriptures in the, the New Testament and even the Old Testament that allude to why he came. Um, and some of these you may know and some of these you may have never thought about before. Uh, and some of these honestly aren't really tied to the, uh, the feeling of Christmas. You guys still have the spirit of Christmas? When you see Christmas lights, does it bring up a feeling of like, oh, it's Christmas time or you hear Christmas music or you know, some people have that experience, maybe that, that spirit, uh, just kind of that feeling of Christmas or whatever. Some of the things we're going to talk about may not uh, stir up that spirit, right, when we think about why he actually came, um, but some of it hopefully will as well. So Romans 15 is where we're going to be. If you want to turn there, we'll be there momentarily. Uh, but I'd like to talk to you here just a few minutes before we get rolling. So the each week we'll look at one of the reasons why he came. And today we're going to deal with the theme of confirmation. Confirmation. All right. So when you think about something being confirmed, what does that, what's that mean to you? What's, what's confirmation? To know for sure, okay. Oh, it's settled. Yeah. Anybody else? When you think of confirmed or confirmation, what do you think of? Assurance. Are we tapped out? Is the well run dry? Right, so those are some ideas there then of what it means to be experiencing confirmation. Uh, When you look this up in a dictionary, what it says, it's it's the reaffirming of the establishment of something. So something was established... When it's confirmed, all it does really, it works to reaffirm what was already established. Okay? And so I'll give you some examples of that here. Maybe you can identify with some of these. But uh, confirmation brings assurance, just like it was mentioned. It brings authority. It brings peace. It brings confidence. Right? When certainty, when things are confirmed, it's just kind of settled, just as you have shared. So here recently, this past week, I was in the doctor's office. And I overheard a conversation between a mother and this receptionist at, at, the, uh, at the counter there. And the, they were trying to figure out their past bill, right? So both people know that they have insurance, and they're trying to figure out why it wasn't paid. And so the doctor's office had submitted the bill, and they had a confirmation number. So that meant something to them, right? It meant that the insurance company had received the bill. They also gave the bill to the mom who then forwarded it to the insurance company and she had a confirmation number. So in their minds, it was kind of a settled thing that even though it hasn't been paid yet, it will be paid because there was what? There was confirmation, right? And so I know they've received it. I have it also. And so for her and for the receptionist, they said, you know what? We believe this will be taken care of. There's nothing that we need to do today. I wasn't trying to eavesdrop. I was just sitting right next to the window. And so it was kind of hard not to, uh, to hear. I didn't hear the whole conversation, but I did hear, I did hear that. Now also right now, kind of for our family, we're in the middle of kind of this basketball extravaganza. And I know, I've, you know, you guys love basketball. But we've got 34 games in 19 days. Okay, so there's just a little bit of basketball going on in our house here. 
but our athletic director, he works every week to confirm these games. Right? Because there's been times where we've showed up at a place to play a game and they weren't expecting us. And that's pretty bad, right? And there's also been times where we showed up at our gym ready to play, but the other team didn't show up or the officials didn't show up. So they've worked through this process. Now everything is confirmed the week before. So the date, the time, the location, if you've got a bus going, the bus is confirmed. If it's home, the officials, I mean, everything that you can possibly think of is confirmed, and then they forward that to everybody. So that brings a sense of comfort, right? Where there's confirmation, there's, oh, thank you, there's comfort. Like, okay, everything is scheduled just like it's supposed to be. Everything's on track. It's going to work out uh, just like we had planned. So confirmation can also bring some comfort. Uh, have you ever ordered something online or maybe over the phone and they give you a number, right? And then they may tell you to write that down or if maybe you've paid a bill online before or over the phone. You know, here's your confirmation that your bill has been received. What about booking a hotel? You ever booked a hotel or condo or something like that, right? And so after you do that, they give you a, a confirmation number and that lets you know it's, it's finished, right? You've submitted everything you needed to do. We have your information. It cleared. Here is your confirmation. So confirmation is a good thing, right? It's a really good thing, and that's what we're hopefully going to see today. One of the reasons that Jesus came was for the purpose of confirmation, all right? So Romans 15 is where we're going to be. If you'd like to go ahead and turn there, if you're already there, then we'll read uh, verses 3 here through verse 15. But you've got Paul here writing to these early believers, and he's trying to help them out a little bit. Some of you are further along in your faith than those than others of you in your group. So be mindful of that, right? Be mindful of that, church, that you, know, you might exercise some freedom that causes a weaker brother or sister to sin, and we don't want to do that. So though you may be more mature further along than he or she is, we need to think, live in light of that person. And in the middle of this thinking, he gives us some great words about confirmation. All right, so Romans 15, verses 5 through 13. You can track on the wall today if you'd like. Uh, if you don't have your Bible, or you can also read there in your own Bible. Paul writes and says, May the God who gives endurance and encouragement, may he give you the same attitude of mind toward each other that Christ Jesus had, so that with one mind and one voice you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you, in order to bring praise to God. Okay, so he's talking weaker brother, sister, stronger brother, sister. He's talking Jew, Gentile. Verse 8, For I tell you that Christ has become a servant of the Jews on behalf of God's truth, so that the promises made to the patriarchs might be confirmed, and moreover, that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. As it is written, Therefore I will praise you among the Gentiles. I will sing the praises of your name. Again, it says, Rejoice, you Gentiles, with his people. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles. Let all the peoples extol him. And again, Isaiah says, The root of Jesse will spring up, one who will arise to rule over the nations. In him the Gentiles will hope. May the God of hope then, may he fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. All right, so here Paul is trying to stir these things that we're talking about. Joy, peace, hope, 
And he's going to try to stir that up in these people through this confirmation. Right? Confirmation. And so a few things that we'll highlight here as it relates to confirmation. Confirmation initially, or specifically today, what we're dealing with is the promises of God. Jesus came as a confirmation of the promises of God. And we'll see that here initially. So let's go ahead and go there. The promises of God will find their yes in Christ. The promises of God find their yes in Christ. So when Jesus came, he came as a confirmation of all the previous promises that were made and all the ones that he would later fulfill with his life and those he will, he will uh, yet to fulfill as well. Uh, so one of the reasons Jesus came here, so what do we say confirmation brings? It brings authority. It brings assurance. It brings peace. It brings confidence. It brings a settledness. It brings comfort. It brings joy, hope. All those sorts of things come as a result of confirmation. And so Jesus, through his confirmation, is trying to usher in these things. Now, let's be clear here for a minute. God's promises were never less sure. Okay? So before Jesus came, that didn't mean that God's promises were up for grabs. Like maybe they'll be realized or fulfilled and maybe they won't be. Whenever God issued a promise, it was just as concrete and certain as sure in that moment as it was when Jesus came. So Jesus didn't give more authority to the promise, right? Jesus didn't bring anything more to the table. Remember what confirmation does? It reaffirms what has already been, remember the word? Established. It reaffirms what has already been established. So when God made the promises to the Old Testament patriarchs and prophets, it was just as true then as it was when Jesus came to fulfill it. And so let's read that here again. We're going to go back to verse 8. And Paul writes and says, For I tell you that Christ has become a servant of the Jews on behalf of God's truth, so that the promises made to the patriarchs might be, what is it? Confirmed. And so Jesus has come, right? Christ has become a servant of the Jews. He came in part to bring confirmation. And so when a promise is confirmed, it's realized. Okay? So Old Testament promises were yet to be realized, some of those. And now when Jesus comes, he comes as the confirmation of those. Now they are experiencing what God had promised previously. Does that make sense? So the promise was still as true as it was for those who never saw Jesus Christ. He didn't add more to the promise. He just simply confirmed, reaffirmed what had been established. And so when the Messiah came, the promise was realized. So you might think of it this way. Let's just say that I was going to bring you your favorite food tonight. And I said to you, I promise to bring you your favorite food. All right, first of all, what am I bringing you? What is it? Cherry cheesecake. Cherry cheesecake. All right. We might have to share a fork over that one. <laughs> what else am I bringing? Somebody else? What's your favorite? Yes. Hash brown casserole. Hmm. Anybody else? What are we bringing you tonight? Fried chicken. Can never go wrong there, can you? Man, good fried chicken. Anybody else? What are we bringing? What is it? Oh, steak and potato. Man, we're going to eat good tonight. <laughs> All right? So let's say that I promise to bring you that. 
Is that promise established? My word has already went out. And so the promise is there. And it cannot get any more true than it already is. We read about it from Isaiah 40. Remember verse 5, it says, For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. It hadn't been fulfilled yet. Jesus hadn't come yet. But it was established that this is the promise. So here, if I were saying that I was going to bring you your favorite food tonight, I'm establishing a promise. And so when I show up tonight with cherry cheesecake or fried chicken or steak and potatoes or what was hash brown casserole, when I show up, I don't bring more to the promise. I just reaffirm what was established. Right? So there's confirmation. So this should bring like a confidence to us as it relates to God's Word. When God says He's going to do something, He does it. Right? And so there's this, there's this establishing and then there's the confirming of what was already established. And that brings confidence, peace, joy, hope, all these things that we've talked about already. It helps to build our assurance. Now Paul said this to the Romans, but he's also going to echo this uh, to the Corinthians. And so let's read this here. He says, no matter how many promises God has made, they are what? Yes. They are yes in Christ. And so through him the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. So all the promises, and this is broad here, all the promises of God find their yes in Christ. Right? In Romans you find there it's a very specific dealing with the salvation of the Jew. God promised to come through the Jewish line and he did. Right? Jesus is out of the Jewish line. He was the promised one to come from the Jews. He went to the Jew first, but the mercy would go to the world. And it has extended just as God had promised. So when Jesus came, there's confirmation. Confirmation is a good thing. All right, so in part, Jesus came to bring us confirmation about God's promises. Now, that's a great truth, right? That's a great fact to know. But is it, is it more than that? Is confirmation to move beyond just something to know? Is it to have any influence in our life? Right, it is, right? Listen, following Jesus Christ is not about let's get the right information, Lots and lots of people have the right information about God. Lots of people have the right information even about Jesus. They've just not trusted in Him as their Savior. So there's a difference, right? And the New Testament tells us that even the demons believe that Jesus is the Son of God. So they had the right information. Are they, are they part of the family of God? Will they be in heaven? No, so it's not just I have... I'm, it's not like I'm a, I agree with what the Bible says. It's got to go beyond that. There's faith involved where I receive or I am placing my whole hope, my life in his hands. There's a surrendering there. So this truth should have influence over my life. Confirmation is not just a fact to know. It should bear weight. Right? And you probably know that to be true. If you've ever bought something online from a website that you weren't real sure of and then you got a confirmation number, you might have felt, oh, okay, I got my confirmation email. That gives me a little bit of peace that I didn't just get hijacked, right? Somebody just didn't take advantage of me, right? It had some influence on your life. It wasn't just fact. 
It was transformational. And that's our second point here today. The promises of God don't just bring confirmation, or the confirmation of Christ don't just bring confidence in the promises of God, but it has influence. It extends mercy. And this mercy is something to be received, lived in, and it extends to the ends of the earth. So back in the beginning, right, Genesis 22, God made a promise to Abraham that the whole world would be blessed through the line, through his line. You might remember Abraham didn't have any children, and God made this promise to him. He has a son of promise, Isaac, that he offers as a sacrifice in obedience to God. And just before he offers that son, God stops him. And that's where we pick up part of this text here this morning, Genesis 22. It says, because you are obedient to me, I'll surely bless you, and I'll make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies. And through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. All right, so this is a promise to God. Abraham never saw this promise realized. But it was started, it was established, that it was confirmed in Christ, but now it's extended to the world. In Jesus, mercy is now extended through this confirmation of promise. And so it's reaffirmed here. What was established is reaffirmed. Mercy will now be extended, specifically here to the Jewish people. And that's where Paul initially is uh, trying to help these Jewish people see that this came initially to them. And you missed it. Peter was the same way. One of these disciples, later apostles of Christ. You might remember when Peter, uh, the Spirit of God was on Peter and he healed a man who had been lame. And this man's leaping around and everybody's like, what's happened? They're like, we've got to silence these guys. We can't let word spread that this was connected to this Christ, this Jesus person. And so Peter's going to come in and give them some words of counsel. He's going to bring them some confirmation. He's also going to hopefully help them understand some things. And so this is in Acts chapter 3. And this is in reference back to what we just read in Genesis 22. Peter says, Indeed, beginning with Samuel, all the prophets who have spoken have foretold these days. And you are heirs of the prophets and of the covenant God made with your fathers. He said to Abraham, through your offspring, all peoples on earth will be blessed. Right? He said that. We read it in Genesis 22. Or uh, many, many years later, Peter's still sharing this, and he's saying it's been fulfilled here. When, God's, when God raised up his servant, that's Jesus, he sent him first to you, Jewish people, to bless you by turning each of you from your wicked ways. Right? So here we've got the confirmation, but then we've also got the extension of this confirmation to these people. Like mercy has come, and it's come on your behalf. Right? So in confirmation, you've got transformation. Mercy has been extended, and it's to be received. So again, the promises of God are not just truths to pass on as principle or fact, but transformational. Right? When I see that you live in the promise of God and it bears weight in your life, that has influence on my life. When you quote scripture to me, but it bears no weight in your life, it's just dead wind. It's dead air. Right? It's not a fact to know. It's, it's, it's a truth to be transformed by. And so as Paul writes, he says, Moreover, 
Not just did Jesus come to confirm, but through this confirmation, it's that the Gentiles might receive the opportunity of mercy. And so this is the confidence that we have today, church, in teaching. This is the confidence we have in preaching. This is the confidence we have in praying, in witnessing, in serving others. The confidence we have is that mercy has been extended. So when we pray for people to come to a Christmas Eve service, we believe that life change can happen there. Why? Because the promises have been confirmed. What was established has been reaffirmed in Jesus Christ, and mercy is being extended. That's the current realm, world, season that we live in. You know, I imagine today if you have email, you're going to get a bunch of emails telling you that for this week only, there's a bunch of stuff on sale. 20% off, 30% off, 50% off. You won this free thing. Just show up to receive your free prize. But there's a limited time on this offer, right? There's kind of a season. There's parameters or boundaries to how long this sale lasts. Well, it's the same thing here with the gospel. This is what gives urgency to the gospel. Confirmation has come. Mercy has been extended. But there's boundaries. It's for a season of time. And one of the days, one of these days, the sale's going to end. Mercy's no longer going to be extended. The deadline will have been met. And the opportunity to receive Christ is gone. And so that gives us urgency, Right? Confirmation brings comfort, it brings assurance, but it also brings urgency. Mercy is extended to all, but unfortunately not all will receive. But let's look at this mercy. Paul wrote about it and said it came to the Jews. Peter told the Jews, he came to you, you've rejected him. All right, just as God promised, the whole world, earth will be blessed through Abraham. That's happened, but you've rejected and so he says, it's not just for the Jew, it's for the Gentile also. As it's written, therefore, I will praise you among the Gentiles and I'll sing the praises of your name. Again, it says, rejoice you Gentiles with his people. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles. Let all the peoples extol him. And again, Isaiah says, the root of Jesse will spring up, speaking of Jesus, one who will arise to rule over the nations. In him, the Gentiles will hope. Well, hope, all right? So this is the picture in the confirmation. Now mercy is extended. Transformation is what is to rule the day. It's what's to win our heart. It's what should bring urgency to how we live. And so the unfortunate truth is that it's not always received. Day after day, people live outside of this confirmation. Every day. They go about their job and they make their money. And they live outside of the confirmation. They do their hobbies. They enjoy their weekends. And they live outside of the confirmation. They hang out with their family. They go to ball games. They invest their money. They take vacations. And they're living outside of the light of this confirmation. Right? They don't understand that mercy has been extended to all. Or they've heard it and they've rejected it. Or they've heard a distorted part of it and they've bought a lie. But, for those who do receive it, this confirmation is going to bring joy. And it's a great joy. And so let's go there here this morning. Why did Jesus come? He came to confirm. 
the promises of God. All the promises find their yes in Jesus Christ. He came secondly to extend mercy to the world because of the confirmation. And then third here, the promises of God. For those who receive them, it results in God being joyfully glorified. And so as we think of this time of year, what do you think of? What comes to mind when you think of the Christmas season? I know we're in church, and you'll probably give me initially some churchy answers, and that's fine. But when you think of Christmas season, what comes to mind? All right, Christ. The birth of Christ? Yes. Christmas trees? Gifts? Joy? Yes. Cookies and milk? Yes. <laughs> the elf on the shelf? Okay. <laughs> Family? Anybody else here? When you think of the Christmas season, like, what are you thinking? What's it stir up in you? What's it remind you of? Yeah, oh yeah, gifts. Okay. It's kind of a warm, yeah, okay, good. So lots of things connected with Christmas season, right? And many of these are things that we personally experience, and you've shared a bunch of those here. Uh, and there's plenty of reason to rejoice in this time of year, right? Uh, this time of year, we might think of what you've mentioned already, like the food or the decorations, or maybe the parties, getting together with family, just kind of the feeling of the season. You might think of gifts. You know, a couple weeks ago, we shared a service together where we said, we have ample reason, more than enough reason, 10,000 reasons to give God thanks. Remember that? That was just like two weeks ago. And we spent some time together here just really giving God thanks for some of the things that he has blessed us with. But the greatest joy is not in, in the gift. The greatest joy is when we know and worship the giver of the gift. And there's a distinction there, right? It's not just thank you, God, for your blessing. But my greatest reason to rejoice is God himself. So thank you for family and thank you for health and thank you for uh, church family and thank you for a job. Thank you for a mind and body that function. You know, thank you for opportunity to serve. Thank you for all the ways you've blessed me, yes. But those things come and go. Right? My greatest joy comes as I just journey along the way here with the giver of the gift. And that's what we see here. It's the Gentiles are going to rejoice in God. God's going to get glory as they are fulfilled in him. So moreover, the Gentiles might glorify God as those who have received his mercy. Is glorifying God an obligation? Is it a responsibility? It is something that we are to do but it's never forced or imposed. You better do this. And it's always taught as it's the outflow of the heart. That's why Jesus says that 
God doesn't look at the outside. He looks at the, he looks at the heart of the matter, right? I mean, we can dress it up on the outside. You know, man looks at the outward appearance is what it says in Samuel. God looks at the heart. You know, Jesus said people can pray real pretty prayers and everybody can say, wow, they must be really spiritual, close to God because they pray so well. Um, and they dress a certain way, right? They give a lot of money. And so there's a lot of things outwardly sometimes that may help us seem spiritual. But God says, I'm after your heart. I'm, I'm evaluating the heart. Why did you give? Why did you dress? Why did you pray? Why did you share? Why did you do what you we're doing. And so yes, we worship, but what drives that? Yes, we give thanks, but what, what drives that? See, the gifts are great, but the giver is greater. Right? The treasure isn't what I receive here. The treasure is Christ himself. One person said, where mercy is received, the Christian is brought home to God. And so that rejoices our heart and that causes us then to joyfully worship. The more we get to know God, the more we want to, as we read in Scripture this morning, extol His name, lift high His name, make much of Him because of the confirmation of His promises in our own life. So our hearts rejoice in the giver and the ultimate goal then there is God is glorified. I'm satisfied in Him and He has honored as those who have received him, worship him as the God that he is. And so it results in joyfully glorifying God. So all sorts of reasons that Jesus came. Some of those we'll highlight here over the next four weeks. Some of those you may know already. Uh, some of these may be fresh to you. Listen, it wouldn't be a bad idea to do a little word search on the Bible and just look at all the times where the Bible says come or appeared. Why did he come? Why did he appear? What we see today initially is he came as a confirmation of the promises of God. And where there's confirmation, there's assurance, there's peace, there's confidence, there's comfort. But there's also personal transformation. Mercy is extended and it's received. And those who've, ex who've received what's extended, mercy, then they joyfully glorify God, the giver, and he himself is glorified. And so what I simply wonder today, church, is, is this how this currently works in your life? Is this why you and I, is this why we showed up at church today? Is this why we gathered today? Was it driven by something within us that wants to honor and please and glorify God? Or is it Sunday and it's my obligation as a Christian to go to church? And we stand and we sing or maybe we don't sing, right? And listen, silence doesn't always mean lack of worship. There's times where I don't sing because I'm just focused on words. And I'm just getting lost in what I'm, what I'm experiencing there, understanding truth. I mean, it's just affecting me. And so what drives your worship? What drove mine here this morning? And what is it that's going to cause us to pray and ask 
a family member or friend to come to a service with us? Is it because we're being compelled by a pastor? Or is it that we understand the urgency of the moment? That there's a window of time, just like there's the sale right now. But the sale only lasts for a, for a short amount of time. Mercy's going to find its end one of these days. And we don't want anybody to be outside of that mercy. And so maybe your prayer today is, God, I know this stuff is true, but it's just not bearing much weight in my life. It's not really affecting my attitude. I don't feel like it's transforming the way that I think or live. And so God, use what's true to change me. Help me not just know fact. Help me to become more like your son, Jesus. Maybe you would pray something along those lines today. Maybe you've never received the mercy of God. That's the perfect place to start this morning. And if you haven't, then I want to encourage you to do so here. I'd love to talk with you and pray with you about that. But Paul reminded us today that Jesus has come to confirm the promises of God, to extend mercy to all, so that those who do receive the mercy would find their greatest satisfaction in Christ and God in that process is completely glorified.